This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. Hey there. Arthur from Maine here. Been a little while since I've been around, but I'm happy to be listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 192, sponsored by InStock Trades, Netflix, and iFanboy listeners like you and the members. God, I love the taste of a good card. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 192. I am Arthur of Maine, and I want to introduce Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Ron Arthur. Richards. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Hey. <laughs> Wait, where'd, where'd that guy go? <laughs> That's crazy. He had to go fish. It's been years. I'm guessing more than half of the people listening have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Or what he was talking about. <laughs> iFanboy.com is a website about comic books. We read them and we love them. And every week one of us has the job of reading all of their books and picking the one that they like best. That's the only rule. 
And they make that the pick of the week. They write a review about it. People talk about it on the website. And then over the weekend, we come and we talk about that book. We talk about all the other books of the week. We do a little mail. We do a little, we do a little joking around. And we call that the, the, this podcast you're listening to right here. Before we get started, we are going to let you know if you haven't read your books, we are going to be talking about what happens in them. Some might consider that spoilers. So you are warned. Ron? Yes. You're up. All right, so uh, last week when I was in my store, I was kind of lamenting the, the huge weeks that we've had of comics, and I said, you know, I just want a week where I buy eight books, and uh, um, sure enough, that was this week. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> wonderful. wonderful, although then I went and threw it off because I also bought uh, The Nobody, the Jeff Lemire's new hardcover. Yeah, so, I, bought like yeah. Four, I bought like four trades, yeah, and exactly. made more than I spent normally. Yeah, yeah, exactly, so I still spent the money, but it was much a much lighter Wednesday. It was a lot easier to sit down and do the pick. But really, it was reading all my books was kind of a futile gesture gesture because um, I knew what the pick of the week was going to be the moment I walked into the store and picked up Wednesday Comics number one and held it to my nose and took a deep breath and smelled the glorious smell of comic art on newsprint. Are you sick? <laughs> that, sounded, that sounded very phlegmy. That, that did breath. I was trying? Well, it's audio. I was trying to over. Uh, you know, I see. Do, okay. Yeah. I was worried. No, no, I'm, I'm totally safe. I'm totally safe. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. Anyway, but so uh, Wednesday Comics number one came out, and for those who uh, haven't heard about it or don't know what it is, um, this is a bit of a vanity project that's headed up by Mark Chiarello who, uh, over at DC Comics, who's like kind of like the art director, creative director guy at DC. And um, he's the he's the guy who edited the solo lines of book uh, the solo lines of books uh, a few years ago. That was when one creator just did like it was a, a fat like forty eight page issue about you know Mike Allred did one, Darwin Cook did one, like you know it was kind of very so, you know, more focused on the art than story. So he does books that uh, he, that pros really really like and no one buys. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> but so critical works. Gotcha. <laughs> so Wednesday comics was a bit. I, I don't know where it came from. I don't know where the idea came from. But it was the idea of saying, okay, we're gonna. We're going to take uh, 15, 15 stories, 15 characters by 15 different creative teams and do them in an oversized um, oversized format. I don't even know what the measurements are. It's huge. Um, and print them on newsprint, very akin to the classic Sunday comics. Um, but they're going to call it Wednesday Comics. And when it first got announced, I kind of rolled my eyes. I didn't really pay attention to it. And you know, I, I didn't want to – you know, because it sounded a little – it definitely sounded different, but it also sounded like it could be really um, – it's a risk by 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 any by any way you shake it. This this project is a risk for was a risk for DC because who knows if people would step back from the standard size of comics or whether or not the newsprint would scare people off or all that kind of stuff. Um, but when I picked it up, I smelled it and then I opened it up into the huge you know newspaper size and I saw that first story by Batman uh, story of Batman by Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso. Um, I knew that this was going to be something really cool. Um, there's no way around that. I mean, uh, I, I, I opened, it, I got at the store and I opened it up on the bus on the way home. And yeah. I kept unfolding and unfolding and unfolding, and I was like, oh. It was. Then, so- I, then I opened it up, turned the first page, and I was sitting there on the bus with this thing, and I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it really, it really made me remember it. I met, if you go back to ifanboy.com, read my review. I talked about this, where it really, like, if you think about the importance of. You know, like we talk about complex all the time. We talk about Superman and Batman and Spider Man and Fantastic Four and all this kind of stuff. But the language of comics, all, there's a whole world of strip, you know, comic strips. You know, like Peanuts and 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 all those all those ones through the years. Um, and I really kind of, as I was reading this, it was making me remember back to reading the Sunday comics and how, you know, that's really, you know, as much as I read, you know, you know, GI Joe comics in the '80s and, and X Men in the '80s and stuff like that. I learned how to read comics via Garfield and Bloom County and and Calvin and Hobbes and and Peanuts. Um, in those little strips, you learned about how to read word balloons and how to read from panel to panel and how time passes and how a story progresses. And you know, I kind of said, you know, like if, if superhero comics were like high school and indie comics were like college, the Sunday comics were like elementary school. And this kind of format kind of reminded me. This is by any means this is a vanity retro project. I mean, like this is playing on that on that retro nostalgia tip. Um, you know, a friend of mine was saying he'd be happy if DC canceled their entire line and published every comic in this format. And I, I don't know if I'd want to go that far, <laughs> but um, but it's definitely playing off of that that what made comics special to all of us. And uh, they, you know, with with a couple of exceptions, and I didn't really talk about the negative uh, the negatives in my review, but with a couple of exceptions, this was as close to perfect as it gets. Well, let's get to the negatives in a bit, but yeah. first, I mean, let's. Are we just going to go story by about. story by story, or? Well, wait. Overall, <laughs> overall, I, I like that this took it back to the sort of a pulpy roots. Yeah, it was a very it's very pulpy. 
in terms of storytelling and you have like a setup and a cliffhanger very quickly and it's told very fast and it's it's a very different format from your, I mean a lot of people have, have trouble handling the different format it's a different kind of storytelling right and it's different I, for the creators too Josh talked to John Arcudi this week on a fanboy and he he Josh what did he say about writing this he said that at first he thought oh this is this isn't going to be no big thing it's just a page and then, like, very quickly he realized, you know, oh, this is actually a different challenge. It's a different kind of thing. Yep. Um, and that then became very fun for him, as he, he kept saying. But, I mean, the one thing when I was reading this that, I, that kept occurring to me uh, was that, you know, as, as a writer, this is these are pretty, these are pretty cool. Because each page, they've got to accomplish quite a bit. I mean, it can't, basically all the stories are coming from a standpoint of you not really knowing anything about them. So they kind of have to do a lot in one page and make you want to come back and read the next one. And it's very economic and very succinct. And in most cases, it was, it was pretty elegant. I was really impressed uh, yeah. by, by most of the stories in that way to, to be able to fit something in one page that made you want to read the next page. And and each yeah and each story is only on one page and it ends you know like it it ends on somewhat of a cliffhanger I think or each one because you got to come back next week to read the next page of of the story and what's really interesting is both in the in in the writers having to write in that in that format of just the one page but also with the artists to see how they use that space because it's not it's a wider it's a wider canvas than the standard comic and it was really interesting to see how some artists use that space differently. And how they handled the challenge of of drawing, you know, one complete story on one page, um, and the use of panels versus uh, space, and and whether you get really like you know Eduardo Riso and Batman in the first one get a lot of really small panels, while you they know, lost they lost a quarter of their page to the yeah, to, yeah exactly. While you know somebody like Kyle Baker, um, you know, went you know very you know only has one two three four five panels on the Hawkman page, and which totally plays in with the story because Hawkman's out flying through the air. You know, and it's totally airy and open. Um, it, it just in each story was, and I'm you know I said how this is a kind of a retro, retro nostalgia feel. But in Connor, you said it kind of goes back to the pulpy thing. I liked how each story almost represented a different kind of genre, or a different kind of thing. They not all the stories are retro. A lot of them are. Um, I mean, if you look at Metamorpho by Neil Gaiman and and um, and Mike Allred, that was very kind of um, a little retro, a little kind of tongue in cheeky. Um, the Carl Kershaw Flash one was very Silver Agey. Um, you know, the the Paul Pope's uh, Strange Adventures, Adam Strange one was very kind of um, you know, kind of throwbacky. But then you had things like the, you know, then you had things like um, Supergirl by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor and the Teen Titans page that were very modern. You know, so I think it was a a good mix of style and a good mix of um, of genre or type of story to make it a complete, well-rounded something for everyone kind of issue. What? Uh what were your favorite stories in it, Ron? What were the ones that really stuck with you? Well, the hands that it should come as no surprise, the hands down my absolute favorite of them all was The Flash by Carl Kershaw and Brendan Fletcher. Um, and that was genius because, number one, how I mean, how many years have we been saying, among, well, along with everyone else, that, that we want Carl Kershaw on The Flash? Um, so it was great to see Carl Kershaw on The Flash. But, and, and excuse me as I turn the pages. Um, <laughs> but I thought that I thought that Kershaw, not only did the art look amazing in the Flash trip, I, I, what I loved about it was you, uh, you open up the Flash page and there's a masthead that says Flash Comics that explains who Barry Allen is and, and the credits. And he actually is doing two strips. He's doing a Flash strip where in the first story is the Flash and Grodd. And then he's doing an Iris West strip. Which is, uh, you know, the Flash's girlfriend, and I'm sure the stories are going to tie into each other, or maybe they won't. I don't know. But um, the second strip is just about Iris, and all you do is you see the Flash is like a red blur in the background, and you see his like kind of profile on on the side, but it's mainly her. And he's his the art style is, you know, Carl Kershaw's art style, but with like a little bit of Al Williamson thrown in. You know, a little bit of that photorealistic 50s kind of style. There's one panel where she's kind of thinking to herself, and it's just like, I, I, I love that panel. And that's the one thing that I mentioned in my review is that each, it seems if each story had a panel that defined that story. Like there was one panel in every story that was just like, oh, the, my God. The look last panel in the Superman story. Yep. The, and, and to an extent, the last panel in the, in the Green Lantern story oh, and the, and very the, much that. And the last panel yep. in the Adam Strange story. Like that, that, that Paul Pope. Oh, my God. Like I want, I want that panel like silkscreened on a lithograph framed in my apartment. Like that. Like, that uh, yeah. Well, what's funny is that a lot of people, you know, Paul Pope's one of those names that comes up and people, you know, people are, are nuts for him or yeah. people don't get him. It's one or the other. And I've sort of been ambivalent about him. Like I, I get it. But um, I've seen original Paul Pope. He draws this big. This is actually how big his pages are. He yeah. actually might draw bigger than this. And I think this is one of the one of the times that 
in a very small amount of space, I can see exactly what it is that people like about Paul Pope in this particular yep. uh, this story. Yeah, I'm not a huge Pope fan, but I love this page. Um, uh, the Green Lantern story, where did Joe Quinones come from? I don't know. Like somewhere I, I, amazing. Yeah, um, I thought Ryan <laughs> Ryan Suk on Commandy was great, uh, doing this best kind of Prince Valiant kind of style. Um, I, Joe, how Joe Kubert? I mean, give it yes. up. Oh my God, yeah. Jesus! Um, the all red all red metamorpho story was great. I mean, there wasn't the only the, the, to get to the negative. The only one, the only one that I thought didn't work was Wonder Woman. Yes. That was the only one that I think failed because that's I fe- the one I think they didn't really understand the format. It seemed like they did regular comic pages here, yeah. and just sort of squished them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Ben Caldwell, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going in a direction. And there's a point to it, but I thought it was too much packed on the page. It was too busy. It was too messy. Um, I really didn't like it. But um, well, one of the exciting things about a lot of these was, I think, that in, and we because we're used to seeing comics at a certain size, and unfortunately they're even getting smaller. You know, when you when you look at them on a computer, you know, we're used to that regular comic size. Like here, when you actually see the art with room to breathe yep. and like space, it becomes all the more impressive. I think. Yeah. Um. The the I think the first page the to to see Eduardo Rizzo's artwork on a big scale and what he's doing, like like the negative spaces, the places where he doesn't put anything, those become more open and therefore like the artwork gets more expressive. Yeah. Um, the, the Lieber Mejo Superman in this big size, you know, when you, you, you show like his face with a big expression on it or something like that, it was, it was really impressive. Yep. Um, um, so that's cool. So, so by contrast, when you are like that Wonder Woman page, which is all squished up, it was like, oh. Yeah. It just, you know. I, I thought I the uh, Juan Lo- Luis Garcia Lopez art of Metal Men was awesome. It was a good story by Dan DeDio. I yeah, was impressed. Yeah. He did a good job of telling a story one page. I mean, it's continuing, but you still got a whole arc in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, by I, the way, how, how good can, can Kyle Baker be? I mean, I know oh, like, he's man. good, but totally that, different style. Oh, it was great. It was, oh, it was so good. I mean, every, every like, the, the demon and the Catwoman story was great. I mean, like, it was, like, every story touched, had something unique that made it special, except for one woman. Um, that made it spe- that made it special and made it good and like like I want when the super- when this is collected I want I want to give my niece the Supergirl story because I think it's gonna be great like it's totally straight up like a kid story you know um, you know and and it's just oh, everything and like if you look at the names like Neil Gaiman wrote the Metamorpho story and you know and and Walt Simonson did the did the um, wrote the Demon Catwoman story I mean like the talent on this is it's almost like a no brainer that this would be good but I didn't know it was gonna be this good yeah so, it was fun yeah so I can't wait um, so this is a twelve week event so I can't wait for next week. Um, and this is like, and we, there's been a lot of talk about how DC, the tide is turning and DC is doing better. I don't really, I mean, like I agree, but this is almost like a special, you know what I mean? Like this is, I, this is an example, this is example of DC doing something very, very good, but I don't think this is like, oh, DC is better than Marvel because of this. Cause this is very much a vanity project. I do so. think that to be honest, I think that the price point is a little high. Yeah. I feel like this should have been like two fifty or three bucks and I would have been, I mean, I, I bought it. I really enjoyed it. And you know, it has nothing to do with the quality of work or the format or whatever. But well, I think it, I, I think a lot of I think there was a lot of question because if you look at it, there's only one ad in the entire book, so they're making no money from advertising. And okay. and, and I also understand like yeah. there's a shit ton of talent on here, yeah. and there's a lot of probably overhead in putting it together. But, and I, I understand all that, but just as a like as a thing I hold in my hand, I'm like, well, right, I don't well, know. no, but but so there's only there's only one ad, so they didn't make any money in advertising. And from what I've heard. Um, a lot of stores didn't take a risk on it, which is kind of weird. Like, I know of at least two stores here in San Francisco that didn't order any copies at all. Wow. Yeah. So um, I think I think price point was fine. It's like a big art book. Yeah. And I thought the arts, the art alone, it was totally worth worth the money. Because it's deceiving. Because you think that you know newsprint equals bad. I mean, it's funny because someone someone uh, someone came in on Wednesday when I was in the store. Someone walked by the counter and grabbed one because they thought it was free. And we had to be like, no, 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 it's not free. You know, like, but, um, but so I could see why the newsprint would be deceiving. But like, you compare this to a 22-page comic book, and there is the the huge pages. Yes, there's only 15 stories, but you know, it, it, each story in comic book size is four, it's four pages. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I I do think I got enough for my money, um, and I think the newsprint I could see, but I see the argument why only for 15 stories that you would want you know to be a lower price point. Was that? I think it was just like the the. I don't know. Like in my mind, something that feels like this, that you know, that feels like a newspaper. You know, you pay like a buck for a giant newspaper or something like that. Could you imagine so, if this was a dollar, though? I know. That'd I mean, be... it'd be the mo- they'd sell a, if they if it was like two fifty. I think that they'd sell like twice as many. Yeah, yeah. But would I, you that, would you buy it at two fifty with like and a half the and no and a quarter of it being ants? 
Absolutely, ads don't bother me. That's what I mean. That's how you get stuff. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I know that. Well, you, I work or on this way, you get ads ad, through ads or through price. Right. I'd rather have. Ads. I'd rather. I'd rather not have the ads. I love the fact that every page is a big, beautiful story. There was nothing in between them. Yeah. No, I understand. No, but this is—it's going to make the next twelve weeks very, very special. So I can't wait. And then, then think about it collected. Like I want this in like the little Nemo book size. You know, the huge book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you when you when you love a tombstone like a man loves a tombstone, <laughs> that is what you get on the cover of Green Lantern number forty-three. This is fin- fin- finally. Well, no, this is, th- th- this is the prologue. This isn't Blackest Night. This Blackest is- Night starts next week. Yes. It's on the top of it. It says okay? prologue. Move it. Prologue, Blackest Night. We have moved out of the o- Asian Orange area, <laughs> and the lady is vomiting on people, <laughs> and the story is starting. Doug Mankey. Doug Monkey. Monkey. And then Connor will say Monkey. I like saying Monkey. Will- yeah, he does, and that's fine. I, I accept that. I Just, accept I, I, everyone I know, I'm worth saying it wrong. I don't care. It's fun. Monkey. I know. <laughs> Um, this was a was a fine fun issue. This was to me the very classic Jeff Johns take a character, build him up, explain who he is, and, and make him work. Um, almost more impressive than that was the work done by Monkey in this issue. Yep. Um, some of the pages and the panels were really really high quality stuff. Really high, he's, you know, he's almost great. But in, in contrast to the art that's been going on with 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 the, the tan. You know, for the last couple of months, it just even was even better. It was night and day, yeah. night and day between the tan art and and this art. I mean, the, the page where he, where the black hand shoots himself in the head. <laughs> oh, that was uh, it was great. It was uh, that was like yeah. that was like a Steve Dillon shot. Yeah, so it was like a little bit of Steve Dillon, a little bit of uh, Gary Frank. Yep, that's okay. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then and then some of the page layout stuff that neither of those guys do. Yeah, exactly. Um, in the in the middle bits with all the the dead people. So now now we know who the Black Lanterns are going to be. Um, do we? Do we know completely? Well, I don't know. All well, it looks like he rattled off all the people who died, so... How great would be... How great he would rattled be, off every, everyone who died, though. How great would it be to have a Sue Dibney Black Lantern? <laughs> right. What's interesting is I was going back through the Rebirth issues for no reason whatsoever, and um, Black Hand is in there. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff I, mentioned I totally that. Forgot, so I totally good. forgotten about that, yeah. Yeah, no, he's been a villain. He's been, he, he was kicking around, yeah, with the hand and everything, yeah. No, no, I, I know, he's, I know he's, yeah. he's an old villain, but I'm yeah. saying is I, have, I, don't, I don't remember him being there from the beginning, so he's a sort of nice tying in to... I, I, thought it was interest, I thought it was interesting to see how we kind of get his origin and we see his family, like, hand mortuary and, like, the Black Hand logo and the Black Lantern logo was his, like, family's company logo, which I thought well, was this interesting. Is, this, is, again, goes to that kind of stuff that Johns does really well, these things that seem really obvious, and it's 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 almost it is just on the green side of cheesy. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it like you you go with it because it you know like almost explaining it like it's a little bit hokey. But like you're reading it and you're like I don't care. It's fun. It works. Right. You know what I mean. It it doesn't throw up that radar. Um, you know, but all the pieces come and they fit together and 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 you get this character. It's fun. Yeah, it's a good issue. It was very it was it was a very good issue. And I just can't wait for next week. I can't wait to get this event rolling. So. And it just shows you that no matter how crazy you are, branding is always important. Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> personal logo consistent. <laughs> Your personal brand is always definitely very important. But <laughs> you, I, I, mean, I gave out a lot of fives this week. I think I yep. gave that one of five, and then um, did you give a five to X Men Forever number three? No, I didn't, but I should have. <laughs> you know why? Because it's why? fucking crazy. It's totally insane. <laughs> so Wait, are we gonna are we gonna get the same explanation for every issue of this? Is this might. ongoing? If he keep if he keep, if Claremont keeps throwing these curveballs, he might. Well, first off, so what we learned in X Men number three is obviously Chris Claremont has something against eyes because it seems that every character who gets hurt in these issues, something happens to their eyeballs, which is kind of a, a weird trend. But um, so so uh, this is the third issue of X Men Forever, and I had a little fun on Twitter teasing uh, people, think, making them think this is going to be the pick of the week. Um, but the reason why I wanted to t- highlight this is because um, apparently Wolverine's dead. Wolverine went off on some little secret mission, and and they found his adamantium bo- uh, bones. So within three issues, he's killed off one of the, the major characters of the X Men. Off panel. <laughs> off panel. Yep. <laughs> Wasn't that his original plan though to kill Wolverine? Yeah, it was. I think. So, Way back, yeah. So in this in this issue, we find out um, that that the person who killed him uh, was Storm. Storm electrocuted him and burned off his flesh, and Storm has turned evil, and we don't know why. 
And um, when so, so when Sabretooth showed up at the X-Men looking to, fight, to track down who killed Wolverine because he said Wolverine's his son and he wants to get revenge on the person who killed his son, um, Storm attacks... his brother! It, it, uh, it's crazy. Storm, it's- Storm attacks Sabretooth and, and lightning bolts his eyes. So now Sabretooth is blind. And apparently he's healed from all the other injuries except his eyes aren't healing, which who knows why. Um, I'll tell you something. Stuff like this happened in regular Uncanny, though. Oh, we'd be, good. we'd be losing our shit. Be, yep. I know, and they'd be talking about it, and it would be huge. Yep. But the funny thing is, is that at um at one point in the um at one point in the in the in the first three pages, uh, Kitty Kitty Pride in the background just has a thought balloon that goes, "My arm, it won't stop hurting." All right. And then as the story progresses, the Shield people are reporting a Wolverine being dead, and they're like, "Well, we're not sure it's Wolverine because one hand only had two claws." And I'm like, oh, that's that's weird. And then at the end of the issue, Kitty stumbles upon Storm and finds out that she's turned evil and has turned on them. And then Kitty pops a Wolverine claw from her arm and stabs Storm in the eye. <laughs> it's completely no explanation other than Kitty just going, my arm hurts. <laughs> so, so now Kitty has an anime. You know what? You know what? That that is ridiculous, yes! and it's, it sounds it it sounds a bit entertaining. I don't want to read it. I want to have you tell it to me. You <laughs> well, know what I've, I mean? got, I've gotten like, several requests for people for, from from people for me to do a Tom vs. the Flash style issue by issue podcast, which I don't have the time to do. <laughs> you should. I, I agree with that because I don't want to go back and read those Flash issues, and I don't want to read. I certainly don't want to read these, but I would like to hear you describe them. So and wait, 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 and look at this panel. And, and her eye hurts. So literally, literally, Storm and Kitty start fighting, and Storm goes, "You're no match for me." And Kitty goes, "Want to bet?" And then it goes snicked, and then you see her slash Storm, and then the next panel is Kitty with one claw go, "Nobody messes with my family." And then Storm goes, "My eye." <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it, Claremont. You're a mad genius. <laughs> uh, so are they saying that she's Kitty's part of Wolverine's family? I don't know. <laughs> My arm. It hurts. No, it's like her big brother, isn't it? Uh, no, I think it's like adopted family, you know, like sort right, of. Right, But yeah, so, so Wolverine's dead, Storm's evil, and Kitty has a claw. That's great. And, Gambit's, really, and, Gambit's, really... and Gambit's last name is still Picard. <laughs> Has he said make it so yet? No, he hasn't yet. <laughs> he should though. Yeah. In French. Has, has he has he seen everything? <laughs> <laughs> I could see. I walked into the girls' showers and they were shot. <laughs> they tried to cover up, but it was too late. I had seen everything. <laughs> I think I'm getting better at that. You are, yeah. So. Oh um, boy. You know what my favorite page in G.I. Joe Origins number five was? What? It was uh Road, rock and roll goes off and does something. He like saves them from a grenade, and and basically to paraphrase, Roadblock says to him, "I don't like you, rock and roll, but goddamn it, I respect you." <laughs> <laughs> it's almost exactly that. It's like I don't he like says, you. He says, "I don't I even respect you. I don't even like you, and now I gotta respect you." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love those guys. I want to see a buddy buddy road comedy between Roadblock and, and I, rock and roll. Other things ro- rock, and rolls, rock and Roll's the guy with the blonde uh, beard, right? Yeah. yeah. Surfer. Yeah. He's John Milius, basically. Yeah. Um, it was a film school reference. Anyway, uh, G.I. Joe number uh, Origins number five is the book where we learned that when it comes down to it, G- uh, Cobra is going to do two things. They were going to release a nerve toxin a la uh, The Rock, or B, they were going to cause uh, the entire worldwide global meltdown via email. They stopped the nerve, da- the nerve gas attack. But it turns out that all of the shit that we've been going through for the last six months, that was Cobra. Yep. They, said they, they emailed all the brokers and stuff, told them all about the subprime mortgages they could do and how they could make money off of it. And now we're screwed. <laughs> which, which, which is – they, 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 re- they referenced Bernie M. before they knew him. Those parts were a little bit – little off, I'd say, because – to be fair, how many mortgage brokers are going to take their spam seriously? Oh, this one here says to get rich quickly. That's right. <laughs> hmm. I, okay, yes. <laughs> I, th- I'm, I think I'm going to do this, and then they all do. Um, but other than that, it's actually a really fun issue. It was, it was, uh, this must be the last one, right? It makes the end. Is, at the end, it says like the end. And it sort of hmm. wraps up the arc, and that, I guess this would have been it, but now they're continuing it, which makes no sense. But whatever, it's much better than the regular book, so I'll go for it. Nope. Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, Snake Eyes got I- his face burned off, so now we know. I, he didn't have much face to get burned off left, did he? Well, it was it was healing. He had the bandages on his face, and then then, then he got his face set on fire. So it's really. I done. forgot about that. Pa- I love that page because basically it's like Snake Eyes attacking attacking Chimera, who I assume has to be Cobra Commander. I assume that as well. 
Um, and, and like he's got a flaming, flaming Dormammu head. Yes. And he's like, what are you, some kind of demon? I'm like, <laughs> yes. This is excellent. It's a, it's a fun comic book. And the trade, I checked the trades are coming out soon, like the Origins trade and the Cobra, or, um, G.I. Joe Cobra trade. So those are, if you haven't read these and they sound interesting at all, they're, in the next few months they're going to be out. Good stuff. Those are fun. Um, I think if I had my druthers, if I had had the pick of the week this week, I would have gone with BPRD number 47, uh, uh, BPRD 1947 number one. Um, I, as you may remember, I really like the last one, um, the 1946, is written by Joshua Dysart um, and, and had art by Paul Azaceta, but this time the art is by Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon. Ooh, really? Uh, I didn't know that. Really, it was, it's really nice. Nice. I mean, it, like them working in the Hellboy world, um, it's a story that takes place in 1947, it's about Trevor Broom, um, a young Hellboy, kid Hellboy is in it, uh, just a really elegant and, and nice comic book. It works in that, like, this thing happened in 1700. And it's the very early formations of the BPRD, and they all have to go check it out, check out, like, the, the, this castle from the 1700s um, in, in, in France or Belgium. And uh, it's just, oh, it's such a nice book. It was really, it was a really good, basically, what is a Hellboy story, but, but before Hellboy. So, um, and and the the moon and the moon and bard. I'm I'm loving stuff that I see from them more every day. I'm, like when when they get when they get colored, um, it's, you know, especially by Dave Stewart. But um, when they get colored, it really pops and it comes alive um, in a way that I don't think I felt so much when I was looking at Casanova. Um, this was this was a five star book, easy, really really good. If you if you've ever wanted to try out uh, BPRD or any of the Hellboy stuff, this is a you can just read this. You'd be totally good to go. Yeah, you know, it was it was a, it was a short, week, small week, but it was a, still a good week. There was a lot of quality. Great. Yeah, there was a lot of quality. Great books. Um, you know what else is great? I don't know. Getting DVDs and Blu-rays in your mail. Uh, you can go to www.netflix.com/ifanboy where they've got over a hundred thousand titles. Uh, you can you can use that to sign up for a free trial. Uh, you can get all sorts of movies, no late fees, free shipping both ways. You can watch them on your computer or your Xbox 360. You know um, what? You know you know what's really funny is that Chris Neesman's been dating Netflix and it's going pretty well. But don't tell anybody. Netflix cheated on him with us. So really, yeah, yeah. Don't. It's between you and me. Don't tell anybody. I didn't write that joke. Uh, the majority <laughs> of the shipments go in just one day, and you get a plan starting from just four dollars ninety nine cents. I honestly, I, completely truthfully, now I don't know what I I don't know what I don't remember what life was like before I had Netflix, and I don't want to go back to it. There it is. Yes. Yeah, I can, I can, I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. I got Benjamin Button to, Button in the mail. I just, nice. I got, uh, I got the holiday. I don't know how. Yes, you do. I, no, I don't. I, I literally do not remember yes, clicking do. on that. I don't. No, I honestly don't. Because you know Kate why? Winslet. Kate, Kate Winslet. No, I know. I like Kate Winslet, but Jack Black. I don't need. To, I don't need Jack Black and Kate Winslet in the same movie. And I made that distinction. When, I would have seen movie. that movie in the theater. I would have seen that movie in the theater, but I didn't want to see Jack Black and Cameron Diaz and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I got Kate Winslet. In, that's why. I got uh, Encounters at the End of the World, which is a documentary about Antarctica, uh, shot and, and narrated by Werner Herzog. Cool. And just to listen to him talk for an hour and a half is wonderful. Like, he'll do an interview with somebody, and, and, and then he'll call them insipid in the narration. This is an insipid person. I don't want to listen to them anymore. And they go. <laughs> it's so good. Awesome. <laughs> anyway. I wanted to point out uh, the next book, uh, Dark X-Men, The Beginning. Uh, Matt Fraction, I don't know if you're listening, but I'm holding a book called Dark X-Men Number 1 in my hand. I'm just saying. Where's my money? <laughs> Moving on. That's all I wanted to say about that one. Um, yes. <laughs> um, but X-Men Legacy number 226 uh, is – so the, the X-Men Dark Avengers Utopia storyline is continuing and X-Men Legacy has finally moved out of its uh, – Mike Carey writing his kind of own contained stories about Professor Xavier and the X-Men's history and has brought this book back into the fold, into the ongoing continuity. Um, it's the next chapter in Utopia um, and the, the longest night in, in X-Men and San Francisco history is continuing as contrived and forced riots are happening all across San Francisco. And the only point I wanted to make here is that there's a scene with Rogue and Gambit and Danger um, that takes place on 16th and Guerrero. And I used to live two blocks from here, and it doesn't look like this at all. So, okay. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so... There, um, the, there also aren't riots or mutants outside your door. So. It's literally, this is the most, this is the most, like I, I keep describing it, contrived, forced upon story in a long time that I've read. It just literally is out of nowhere, and it 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 and it just continues to go, and and because of it, I can't take it seriously, you know. 
because everything that was being happening in the X Men world now is just seemingly put on hold for this little this 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 little out this little riot. So I don't know. Meh. I think so, if I was from Boston, I'd be offended by Amazing Spider-Man Annual Thirty Six, but I'm not. So. I'm not. <laughs> well, I thought I thought that this it was a it was a really good annual, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was a great issue. It was a five star book. Yeah, it totally was. Pat Olief. Oh, Jeter sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Jeter sucks line was very funny. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really uh, ballsy because of uh, the end or the the, 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 the the twist. Well, the whole this whole thing is that is that um, Aunt May, who's been portrayed younger and younger in the regular books, but she's back to being looking like she's ninety in this book, is getting married to <laughs> J. Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson's father, and um, so they're in Boston for the for the. I guess the the engagement party. Engagement party, yeah, party. yeah. And and some other dude in another part of the country attacks. Is a, you see a flash back to when some dude had his life ruined by seemingly Peter Parker, and he shows up Wait, to get bef- revenge. Before yeah. that, though, the banter between Peter and Jay Jonah at the engagement party was hysterical. Oh yeah, it was great. It was great. So then, so then this guy attacks the the reception, attacking Peter Parker. He changes into Spider Man. They fight. We find out that. Um, the guy in the beginning who we thought was Peter Parker was actually Ben Riley from the Clone Saga, and and he was one that ruined this guy's life. And now, the, the, it was great. But then that one page where they flash back to the '90s, where we see yep. the mullets and we see Ben Riley and we see everything that was bad about Spider-Man comics in the '90s, the and costumes I just, I just, and everything. It was bad about went, how we. Uh, it was bad about how we all looked back then. Though. So now, so I now know, the, it was just. I mean, it was just. It was everything about it. It was bad. So now the thing about it is, is that Spider-Man for the past year, Spider-Man has been one of the best years of Spider-Man as far back as I can remember. And is it just like is it is it tempting fate? Is it playing with fire by trying to bring back Ben Riley? Oh, I think it's a I think it's a challenge thing. I think a writer goes, oh yeah, watch this. Like I yeah. I think that the guys went, you know what? We're doing so good, we can make this so cool. We're gonna even make this cool. Yeah. And you know, if it works out, it'll be awesome. In the way that like you know when they brought back Bucky, that was awesome. Yeah. You know, so you y- you can give give it a shot. I guess I just had fun with this. Like I didn't even worry about any of that stuff because I never read any of it in the first place. Um, so. Like I just had fun with it. It was a fun issue. It wasn't. I, I didn't think it was making fun of Boston. It was sort of. It was, but in the way that you do. Oh, it totally was. But I mean, that's. I'm fine with that. Yeah. No, I know fun. that. But like, it, the, like it was. You know, he was saying it's a good place. They like him. Cheater sucks. Cheater sucks. <laughs> Not saying it right. Cheater sucks. <laughs> and he had that. He had the hot Boston co- cousins who were probably slutty. <laughs> that was great. The whole <laughs> when he's talking about how hot his cousins are. <laughs> Just a little trashy. <laughs> oh god. Um, so uh, real quick, a Green Hour, Black Canary. Um, the this the story I could do without, but that the backup feature with uh, the Bill Sinkevich uh, finishes over Mike Norton's layouts. Awesome. I'm sure it looks beautiful. I just I just can't stand the story. Yeah, I, no, dropped, I, mean, this, I dropped it months ago. It's literally where I'm. It's 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 the point now where I just buy it for the art and I just flip through and and but then the Sinkevich art was just really it was really cool to see because it's like because Sinkevich was penciling was was doing the finishes over Norton's layout so it's definitely in Sinkevich's style but you could see Norton's style in the layout if that makes sense you know like so it's yeah. this cool it's a cool little hybrid of of styles which is you know awesome so I dug it all cool. Um, Connor, uh, surprising book for me this week, and I think you too, was, was The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, number one by, by Chuck Dixon out of Dynamite. You pick this one up, right? Right. This is the sequel to um, the other Man one. With no name. Man, Man with, with no, no name, name from which, uh, Christos Gage? Christos Gage, also Dynamite. That was, that was pretty good. It was a, that was like a solid Western. Yeah. This was much better. This was like a real, real good start to a Western. It was real good. I was I was kind of surprised by it because I'd kind of been underwhelmed by the other story, and I just sort of read this one on a whim. But uh, it was it was fun. It was just you know sort of classic western, and if if that's the kind of thing you're looking for, this is definitely worth a look at. It was definitely a step up in all realms. I think from the from the last one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. On to the user reviews. Robbie Dzwanar. Uh, wrote about Batman 688, uh, which he gave the story a 3 out of 5 and the art a 3 out of 5. And of all the iFanboy community, uh, 0.2% made it the pick of the week at time of recording. Um, and Robbie says, Batman 688 really delivers in the beginning with what you've probably already seen in previews, but everything just falls so damn flat after that. I don't care about Two-Face and Penguin anymore. They really need to either step up their game or get out of it. So a little, a little discourse in the Batman universe. Discord. Well, I think it's 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 weird because this is this is when the second issue. He's only doing four, so that he's only got two left. Yeah. Um, it was the, the this issue. It's strange because as with all books with multiple versions, 
you they don't all fit together, you know. This doesn't really fit into the Grant Morrison world, even though it's the same characters. But it's telling a different por- portion of it. And what this is telling is Two Face and the Penguin reacting to the new Batman, and Two Face figuring out that it's that, it, that, it, that it's Dick Grayson because he's watching the file the the footage of, on the news, and he sees that he's smiling while he fights, which is something that Batman would never do, but something that, that Dick Grayson would do. So. Oh, interesting. Um, that, that's interesting. It's how well he, it's how well he knows the characters. Two faces like Bat. It's like Dick Grayson's Joker. He's the main. He's his main nemesis. So yeah. he knows that's him pretty well. And the other, the other thing that he said was, in the past, Bruce would always disable the security cameras. So there wouldn't be footage of him. But here, here, Dick's leaving them alone so people could see that Batman's still around. Ah, interesting. So, so suddenly the news is flooded with all this footage. So they kind of do a media, a media angle where all the news, they're like, you know, footage of Batman everywhere suddenly. So they're all that's doing a really neat, neat uh, yeah, concept. Yeah, that that's clever. Yeah, it's part, of, it's like part it? of the whole the whole tapestry where I think you know they're really well thought out stories and what, they're really looking at all the angles here. But yeah, I did like it. It was it was good. He does, you know, that's why, that's why I'm bummed that he's leaving so soon. Yeah, sure. Winnick does a good Batman book. All right, this says Silver Age Tim, but I know there's Tom. a Tom. Sorry, that's a typo. Okay. there's your mistake. So there's the mistake. Like there's the mistake um, in the script. Uh, uh, Silver Age Tom's brother Tim, <laughs> <laughs> the Enchanter. The uh, Silver Age. Silver Age Tom, who hates Tim, by the way, uh, read North 40, number one. He gave the story a two out of five and the art a five out of five. Yet, 0.41% of the uh, user base picked this as their pick of the week. Uh, Aaron Williams does a divergent left turn from Nodwick and other gaming funnies to turn his attention to crafting a, lo- crafting a Lovecraftian horror tale. I came into North 40 without knowing anything about it, but I pretty much bought the thing on a whim. On a surface, it's a really good-looking book, and given enough time to grow, this could become a solid series, but I don't think it's there yet. We're going to take Tim's word on it. Yeah, a lot of people, so were, a lot of people were talking about North 40 this week. It came out of Wildstorm, um, mm-hmm. and I guess it's like a horror, like Lovecraft slash horror book. Um, it's not about the Dallas Cowboys? No, it's not. But um, the, one, the one thing I did hear the most out of it was that the art looked really good, but the story was eh, not so much. So... Yeah, who knows? So, um, well, Silver Edge Tim's he succinct it up pretty well. Tom, um, so yeah. it says it says Tim. <laughs> I'm going by my script, man. It says Tim. The one damn mistake. So if you I, if you have a uh, if you have an opinion about one of this week's comics, you can go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics where you can uh, do your pull list and you can rate comics and review them. Uh, the number one uh, community book was Green Lantern this week, and number two was Wednesday Comics, showing that the community doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Oh, it's, it's um, true, true. But yeah, so go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics. It's a great place to check out uh, the, the, each week's books as they come out. Mm. So uh, so it's the beginning of the month, and that means that ifanboy, it's a book of the month. And, and uh, I woke up uh, on June 30th and go, wow, i got to write a book of the month. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> but so this month, um, if you've got ifanboy.com, you might have already read the review of it, but we're going to take a little bit to talk about it. Um, uh, I chose uh, a, an, an anthology that came out from Image Comics called This is a Souvenir, The Songs of Spearmint and Shirley Lee. And uh, this is another um, – this is the third kind of music-inspired anthology that Image has put out, uh, the first one being Put the Book Back on the Shelf, which is uh, the so- uh, comic stories inspired by Bell and Sebastian. The second one came out last year in the much you know, uh, critically acclaimed and uh, Eisner and Harvey-nominated uh, comic book Tattoo, which was the, uh, the stories inspired by Tori Amos, um, which is a big old – 500 beautiful page, yeah, book. monster yeah yeah really nice um so uh this one is not a, it's 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 more stories than the bell and sebastian one but not nearly as thick as the tori amos one um but it keeps the oversized um uh format that the tori amos one had which is basically it's a 12 inch by 12 inch like a record album um size uh big square big kind of big book um and uh, it is comic stories inspired by the band Spearmint, um, sp- and specifically the main singer-songwriter uh, songwriter from Spearmint, Shirley Lee. Um, Spearmint is an uh, uh, indie Britpop band that was popular in the 90s, and despite my Britpop um, uh, fandom, I had only heard of them, yet I had never heard anything by them. So I, I- – heard of them you know yeah they're, they're real i mean they, they are they they have their own label they are like consummate indie band they had some popularity in like 97 98 when a couple of their singles um broke uh, you know into the top 40 charts in the uk but by no means did they achieve you know the oasis level or or any you know any other you know kind of brit pop bands that kind of grew into you know over to america or anything like that um so i th- i was really interested in it because i was like okay wow this is an opportunity for me to be like everyone who reads phonogram who doesn't know about those bands 
<laughs> or you know anybody who reads the Bell and Sebastian book and has never heard Bell and Sebastian or Tori Amos or whatever. Um, so I was really curious. I didn't go out and listen to Spearmint until after I read the book because I wanted to see if the stories by themselves were enjoyable, and they absolutely were. They it was this was a lot of fun to read. I'm starting to I'm starting to think that I'm an anthology guy. I'm really enjoying the world of anthologies. Did you just come out to us. The guys, um, I've been meaning to tell you this for a while, and I've always suspected it. But <laughs> so, um, so th- th- uh, this anthology it starts off, you know, and not surprisingly, and I wonder if you know, as they do these in the future, um, they're going to go to Kieran and Jamie from Phonogram and have them do a story for each of them because the first story <laughs> is a Kieran and ja- Jamie Phonogram story. Um, that was great. It was, you know, a short. It's a short, like four or five page story. But to see Jamie do art in a much bigger canvas. Um, was really really cool. He used the space and and they used typography much differently than anything I've seen. Um, if you go to my review, that I, I scanned in uh, or I had a scan of my favorite page, um, which just had a huge you know turn it up as the in, you know text in the middle of the page and with a great rendering of this this kind of uh, scene from the song. Um, That's enough to sell me. I saw yeah. that and yeah. heard there was an oversized phonogram and I went yes please. Yeah, it was great. But um, but you know some of the other stories were by like uh, Jamie S. Rich wrote a couple, B. Clay Moore wrote one, um, uh, Derek McCullough wrote one, uh, uh, China Clugsden did one, Mark Ellerby did one. So there's some names that we recognize, but then there's some names that I haven't recognized. You know like um, Mike Holmes and um, uh, where's where's the other one that I really really liked. Uh, uh, Tony Lee and Kevin Colden did a great story called A Bench in the Park, which is about a, a woman who um, visits a bench that was dedicated, you know, in, in one of those benches is in memory of, and turns out it's a guy she went to college with who died of cancer, who was the father of her child, and she never got to tell him, because, you know, like in tragic kind of, tragic, tragic story, and her 16 years later visiting, you know, this this memorable bench and telling him about what their daughter is doing, and, and kind of, you know, looking back on it, and the art was just this beautiful use of pastels and, and color and it was just uh, it was just great and it's just really cool what they, the way they do it is that each each story starts off with a page with the lyrics to the song and then you read the whole story and some of the stories are short you know three or four pages some of them are a little longer I think the longest one was about ten pages or so um, some of them are very conceptual whereas some of them are very um, uh, you know, very wordy and very thought out, you know, um, pretty much every, you know, no consistent style. Every, every story was, you know, has the, the creator's own kind of footprint on it. Um, and really it just, it was just so much fun to sit down for an hour and just like get lost in each one of these stories. Um, so I had a lot of fun reading it. And, um, then I went back and listened and downloaded some, uh, Spearmint songs. Actually, well, I, a friend of mine sent me some of them cause you can't actually download them here. Cause a lot of them are, cause they're an independent band. You can only get import CDs, which are expensive. So don't tell anyone. And, um, and, and so it was cool then to go back and to listen to some of the songs and read the stories, um, you know, and get that context. Um, the B. Clay Moore story with art by Kevin Mellon called A Different Lifetime was just Ke- – Kevin Mellon's art was just awesome. It was just really, really cool. Um, and so, yeah. So I don't know. Um, if you like anthologies, if you like music, but if you just like something off the beaten path in some different, you know, different kind of creators, this is a, this is a good uh, – this is definitely a good option. So. I don't think books like this need to be tied to the music thing. I think they are enjoyed regardless. And I think that yeah, and that, and that's the and that, saying if you like music, you like this book. Makes people think they don't like music, they won't like the book, and I think that's wrong. Right? Yeah. No. And, that, and that, that's what kind of my my kind of uh, thesis or hypothesis going into this was is that I don't have the context of the music. Let me see if I enjoy it, and I absolutely did. So. Cool. I like. I'm gonna check, I'm gonna check it out when I. Yeah, so, you, so you can definitely get it from Amazon. I'm pretty sure you can get it from um, in stock trades uh, at t- time of recording. I'm not really sure, but I think they're going to get back in stock. Um, but if you want to go, if you want to get this or any other trade paperback, go to in stock trades. Um, InStockTrades.com is your source for all trade paperbacks. They've got uh, up to 37% off on their books. You get free shipping on orders over $50. They've got over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock. Every Wednesday, they got all the new releases in there, so you can get them as soon as they come out. And when you make an order, it usually ships within 48 hours. Um, so InStockTrades.com is the place to order uh, trade paperbacks online, and hopefully they will get this as a souvenir, the songs of Spearmint and Shirley Lee in stock soon, and you could buy it. So, Yay. Email time. Chris from Grand Forks, Michigan says, I recently received my copy of The Roberts in the mail. Last night I proceeded to sit down and read it when I came across a glaring printing error. The same page was printed twice in a row, in addition to pages missing throughout the book. So my question is, if you know whether publishers or retailers would be willing to exchange misprinted trades for correctly printed ones. Absolutely. If you got a, if you got a misprint, you should go back to the store where you bought it and, and, swap, you know, and, and return it. It's defective merchandise. 
Um, if the store gives you a hard time, email or write a note to the publisher and they will replace it. I've heard, you know, I know we know several retailers who, you know, who this has happened to and it's a, it's a reality of the business. And the thing is, is that you got, you didn't get what you paid for. So don't be afraid. Don't, don't feel like you're stuck with it. Issues are a little different, but trade paperbacks, absolutely. Only really uh-huh. once in my life have I gotten a misprinted issue and I returned it to the store and they changed it. So yeah. it wasn't a problem. Yeah. But it hasn't happened a lot. Yeah, since you're the customer, you, you, you are allowed to get what you paid for, you know? I don't think it's ever happened to me, but like I've done things where like I bought issues that I didn't mean to, and I brought those back. So I assume that if they'll take those, then like it, like I bought like a reprint, and I I thought it was the next issue, or like I've done things where I bought like two of something. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Josh goes in with a blindfold. That's yeah, like, he's, just, the, he's the force to get his. Oh, it's, it's, like, it's like it's like supermarket sweep. You've got thirty seconds <laughs> to buy your books, and he just <laughs> it's a mad dash. <laughs> Uh, Sam from Philly says, what happened to Horizontal Comics? I seem to remember Marvel putting out Horizontal issues relatively frequently, but the last ones that I can remember, the 2001 New X-Men and the Uncanny X-Men annuals, I personally would like to see Horizontal Comics make a comeback unless I'm missing something. Can you guys think of anything? It's just in uh, general? Those are, the, those are the only ones I remember. I, yeah. I remember Marvel played with it a little in the 90s, and they brought it back in the 2000s. I think it's a – and I got scared because I got the latest issue of Exiles, and the first page was horizontal, like the recap page. And I went, oh, I, I went, oh please I, don't be a horizontal issue. I hate it in a book, like when it changes during the book. I don't yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, um, I don't think anybody's really done it recently, and I think for a reason. Like I don't think it works in the issue format personally. I mean it, there's no reason that it couldn't or doesn't, um, but – yeah, I don't know. I I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, we're we're like locked into a format. I think sometimes it it can work in trade form. If you think about like three hundred, is kind of like that. You get the three hundred. Uh, uh, totally is like that. Right, but the issues the issues were unlike that. The issues were two page spreads that then those two page right. spreads became a page in the book, right? Well, it's basically yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Well, no, not, it's not really. We were actually Josh and I were talking to somebody about digital comics this week and talking about how. Um, aspect, aspect ratio might change because yeah. all monitors are horizontal. So, if eventually comics go digital, then maybe they'll change how comics are drawn. They'll lay them out differently, so they'll be fill your screen rather than up and down. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, possibly that's or, just, or that's or, theoretical. I mean, yeah, I mean, in that in that in that standpoint, what I think is what's going to happen is more like what Miller did with the two page spread, where you get where you can print something in two page spreads, and then it looks it looks good on a widescreen monitor. Um, but yeah, but who knows? I mean, it's anybody's game, really. I think, but but I think when you've got a when you've got a page that is the standard standard comic book page, and then you rotate it ninety degrees to be horizontal, and then you've got to hold the book, you know, kind of horizontal, and then open it from the top up. I think yeah. that, I think that's that's a challenge that a lot of people don't want to deal with. You know, uh, yeah. w- w- another way around it is that Bendis does it a lot in in his Avengers books and stuff, and in Powers, but also this week's World of New Krypton, which is done with a lot of two page spreads yeah. that went all the way across the page, and that's that's sort of like doing that. The only thing about that that I don't like about those is I, I'm never sometimes never it's not certain for, which way to read. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, and you end up reading some the middle of the panel when you should be going to the to the right. That happened in New Krypton. That definitely yeah. happened to me this week. Yeah. I don't mind if you're gonna you use arrows if it, if there's gonna be at all unclear. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, if you have a question uh, that's 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 you need to have answered, uh, email us at contact@ifanboy.com. We get your, your question on the show or on the letter column on the website every week. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So write in contact@ifanboy.com. Um, all right. Our first voicemail is for Josh. It's a question we've never gotten ever before. Guys, this is Mike. Uh, I just had a question about the Green Air Lantern comics. Uh, what would be a better arc to start on, Rebirth or Secret Origin? My girlfriend's interested in the book, thanks to Blackest Night, but I'm not sure which which story to start with. She does know a little bit about uh, Green Lantern from the New Frontier movie, but that's about it. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Uh, before we get started, there is one thing I would like to say, and it's... This is this is the single most question we've gotten this year, by far. By far, yeah. I we get it once a week at least. Oh, I wrote a I wrote an article one week on the site, and if you actually go to iFanboy and you search Green Lantern, where do I start? Or if you go so on Google and you search Green Lantern, where do I start? iFanboy, it should be the first thing that comes up. Uh, because we get it so very often, and that tells me you're not going to the site, Mike. <laughs> so there's a lot of other stuff there that we can't cover here. Um, but read them in the order that they were published is my recommendation always. 
um, start with Rebirth and then read Sinestro War and then read Secret Origin because they're written in such a way that they refer back to those stories even if they didn't chronologically come in that way. Yeah. It's funny because, I mean, it just shows that, you know, the, the, the attention Green Lantern's been getting. And when I was in the store on Wednesday, somebody's in there who has never read a DC comic at all but wants to read Green Lantern. And we were saying whether or not the issue that came out this week was a good point to start or not. Um, of which we, I think, I think my my opinion was, yeah, just dive right in. But <laughs> you know, it's just the Green Lantern's not in it, so if right. that's what you're looking for, yeah, yeah that's, that's the only weird thing about Ultimately, it. Ultimately, yeah. I think we netted out at next week's issue with Blackest Blackest Night being as the yeah. The well, he, he, John says it's written like Sinestro Core War, where you can jump in without having ever read a Green Lantern book and follow along. So right. yeah. I think that's definitely the place to start. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, it's gonna be also awesome. hey next week also <laughs> along with the Blackest Night issue is also our Green Lantern show. So if Mike wants to wait. A few days, and and watch that show with his girlfriend, and maybe they can find out where to start reading. Nice, a nice little romantic evening. Make a little dinner yeah. and watch the Green Lantern show. Yeah. And it's if they want to do something dirty on the couch while we're playing in the background, I'm okay with that. Got <laughs> <laughs> no problem with that. Awkward. <laughs> Awkward sexual tension. There it is. Uh, our next vo- our next voicemail actually has something to do about watching. Hey there, guys. This is uh, Jeff from Clayton, Ohio. I had a question about the uh, the Watcher from Marvel Comics. I know he only appears during big cosmic events happening, usually on Earth or around the galaxy. And I was curious if there was any stories in which the Watcher appeared that you thought that uh, his appearance was unnecessary or uh, didn't quite uh, live up to the expectations that uh, you would think they would uh, they would have the Watcher appear for. So uh, just curious about that. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. I'll uh, keep listening. Bye. Yeah, this one time I looked up out of my bedroom window and there was this big bald head just watching me. And wait, that was Connor. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. Awkward. It was a bad. It was a bad watcher time. <laughs> Look, how many times can I apologize for that? I don't even know how you got up there. Did you bring a ladder on the <laughs> yes. subway? I told you. No one liked me in a subway either. I'm sorry. I watched you was have sex with your wife. It was wrong. <laughs> no one told me. <laughs> if I knew it was wrong. I wouldn't have done it. Ugh. So I won't um, do it again. So again. U- Uatu the Watcher is one of my favorite Marvel characters, and um, there have been two recent uh, moments that they completely blew using him in my mind. <laughs> and the whole idea is that he's sitting there on the moon watching Earth, and he's not allowed to intervene. And when he shows up, it's supposed to be a big deal. You know, like when Galactus came and the Fantastic Four fought him, he was there, you know. He actually intervened in that story, but nonetheless. Um, and in other m- moments in Marvel history. And yet, um, uh, Secret Invasion comes to mind, right? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty big in terms of events. I mean... Yeah, but th- but he didn't... But, but all of a sudden, he was there watching the fight, and that was... It, they never... Yeah, I think I think it's not so much he was ever Secret Invasion. I think it was the way they used him at Secret Invasion. Yes. Usually, yeah. in the past, the, Marvel, the watch would show up in the first page and tell you, I'm the watcher, I'm watching this because it's a big deal. Yeah. So it's gonna and go then down. he would... And then he would throw his arm out like he's opening a curtain, and you would follow into the story, and then right. that's how it worked. Now it's kind of like that was it was a cheap joke that, that yeah. Bendis put in. Well, yeah. speaking of cheap joke, no, I don't even think Bendis' uses of it was a cheap joke. I think Bendis. Yeah, because it was the whole thing. The whole thing was there for the Spider-Man joke. He was the punchline. Maybe. Well, the, the the cheap joke. Well, it was there for a joke. Then the cheap joke was recently when the Watcher showed up in Hulk or Red Hulk by Jeff Loeb, and um, where he's like, "I'm here because this is a big moment," and then the Red Hulk punched the Watcher. And that was when I stopped buying Hulk. So yeah, that was a cheap joke. That was really cheap and not funny and not you know fucking Jeff Loeb. You know, like it was ugh, ugh. Anyway, um, so yeah, those are those are some recent examples of the Watcher being misused in my mind. And I and I, I, honestly, the Watcher hasn't gotten I think the 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 proper usage in a very long time. He's been it's been since the like the early nineties or yeah. late eighties. He really has been used. Yeah. Like he used to be. Well, I thought it was great to use him as the narrator or the in- in- intro f- as the device for the what if issues. Yeah, but then the last time they yeah. used Bendis. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so, I don't know. All right, so if you have any uh, questions you want to call in and ask us uh, or any comments you want to make, you can leave a voicemail at 1 Fanboys. It's 1 326 2697. Hey, this last week you may have noticed on the site that there was a new Talksplode episode with me and writer Paul Montgomery. We are talking to scribe of BPRD, the Superman story in this week's Wednesday comics uh, and other stuff, uh, John Arcudi. It was a really fun conversation. I found the end of it to be extremely inspiring, even though we were talking about John Mellencamp. 
<laughs> he's a name that I've has been around for a while, and like he just works. You know, like he's a solid writer. You know, yeah, he's definitely, and you know, like he, you know, he created the mask. Yeah, yeah, you know, did that and and something else really big that is escaping me right now. But he also. You know, he's been doing those alien predator comics uh, and stuff too, and like those aren't bad. Yeah. Like, like when you hear like bad licensed stuff, it's never the stuff that he's doing. You know, yeah. like he, he's just he's like a, a working writer, and it's really interesting to talk to those guys. Yeah. And so, it's grizzled. Slightly grizzled. Cool. So, uh, so San Diego is coming up. Oh yay! Oh yay! <laughs> San, Di- uh, San Diego Comic Con yeah. is in what? It's in two weeks? Less than two so, weeks? No, it's in a week. And a half. From, if Week and a half, if you're listening to this on uh, the beginning of this week. Week and a half from San Diego. If you're going, we're going, and there's going to be our there's going to be a Comic Con podcasting panel, which Ron will be on. Which is on. Do you know what day that's on? Yeah, Ron? it's on Thursday at five thirty, I think, in room thirty two A B, and it's going to be myself and Jimmy from Comic News Insider, and uh, Pants from CGS, and Bob from Comic the Comic Book Page, I think. Or, yeah. And um and actually I think Charlito may be making a uh, from Indie Spinner Act may be making a cameo, so. Well, that's cool. So we, and Josh and I will be in the audience heckling Ron. So come by and and join in the fun of that. And also it'll be our traditional San Diego party meetup thing, which will be Friday night, and we'll have more details on that. We'll, I'll, there'll be a post on ifanboy.com probably this week with all the information on the parties and the panels and everything that's going on. So check that out. If you're coming to San Diego, please come by to the panel and definitely come to the party. Um, where Ron will get drunk and might take his shirt off. It'll be awesome. Yeah, and, and we'll have all the details posted on ifanboy.com, and we'll also talk about it on next week's show. So you'll, if you're going to San Diego, it will definitely be easy to find us and get together, and we, we'll be great to see you. We can't wait. Yeah. And, and a lot of the iFanboy staff is going to be there in full force. It's going to be us, Gordon. Yeah, actually, the, the, biggest, the biggest turnout of iFanboy staff in the history of iFanboy. Yes, with some surprise, surprise guests. Surprise guests. Surprise so. guests. Not Paul, though. He misbehaved. Not Paul, yes. So, uh, also, um, if you if you dig what we do, you might want to go over and check out our sister site murmur dot com, uh, where we uh, last week we released uh, the second episode of the uh, Murmur podcast, um, and we we're talking about music. Uh, it was myself along with Gordon, who you know from my fanboy, as well as Ryan Panagos, who you may also know as uh, Agent M on Twitter, who works at Marvel. Um, we weren't talking about comics; we we're talking about music. So, uh, it was, we we're talking about some of the bands we like and some of the uh, some of the recent you know kind of records that we've been enjoying. So, go to murmur dot com. You check out the podcast there as well as the the pop culture writing about tv film and uh technology and music and all that fun stuff so go to murmur.com and check it out awesome hey ifanboy.com is our website um like we said up there there's the article about green lantern that we did there's ron's written uh, reviews for wednesday comics his book of the month review and, and all sorts of good stuff that goes up there every single day and all sorts of fun discussion so make sure you go there we put a lot of work into it we like it very much and we think we think that you'll enjoy it um you can go to ifanboy.com slash about and you can see uh who we are uh, is if you need that, but also links to all of the other social networking places that you can find us on the web. And as you may know from listening to previous podcasts, uh, we do have an iFanboy membership program. Uh, everything we do is free, all these podcasts and the website and everything. We want to keep it that way, um, but things cost money and we've got expenses and stuff like that, so we're looking for your help. If you enjoy this podcast or if you enjoy the website, you know, you know, reach into your pocket and see if you can help us out. Um, you know, we do everything for free for you and we want to keep it that way. So we've got a couple of different um, levels for you. You can uh, sign up for $4 a month or $42 a year. That's the price of one comic book. And for that, you get to be a member. You get a little uh, prize pack with some stickers and buttons and we give you a free comic book. So we're replacing that comic book you're not buying. So uh, you can sign up for that. If you've got a little more money you want to spend, you can spend $10 a month or $100 a year and that gets you the stickers, the, the pins and the comic book as well as the iFanboy members t-shirt um so if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash store uh that's where you can sign up to be a member and you can also be eligible for giveaways we gave away um we're giving away signed books we're giving away art we just gave away the joe casey signed books with chris burnham sketches uh we gave away a page of art from mike allred we're gonna get a ton of great giveaways after san diego so if you want to be eligible for those you got to be a member so ifanboy.com forward slash store and while you're at ifanboy.com forward slash store, I don't think there was a word, but I'm pushing on. You can buy the Power Responsibility t-shirt, which is only $15. It's limited edition. There aren't many of them left. And you can get those at ifanboy.com forward slash store. They come in red and the blue. They have no resemblance to any current or former comic book character None. Uh, whatsoever. None whatsoever. And uh, we've got a lot of, lot of response to the, Her- the possible Herm shirt reprint lately. And it sounds like that will definitely be happening at some point in the next few months. 
if you um, if you want one though, be sure to let us know. Email contact at ifanboy.com, subject line Herm. Let us know. The more people we know that want it, the better chance it will have happening. Yes. So, the better right, chance if, it will have happening. Yes. If you write in and you say you want one and then we print them and then you don't buy one, we'll we're, 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 we're we're come to your house. Yeah, exactly. I'm I am i am gonna kick your ass. <laughs> so um I swear to God. <laughs> you can get the t-shirts at ifanboy.com forward slash store. You can also go to ifanboy.com forward slash Amazon if you want to buy any graphic novels or comics or video games or, or movies or, or music or anything that they sell at Amazon. Helps us out in the process. You can do all your ordering from there. And we also put up the books we talk about in the video show as well as our personal picks. So go to ifanboy.com forward slash Amazon. Awesome. You know we do this video show. Uh, Connor, he's, uh, he's working on one right now. No reason at all. No, this next week you can look forward to the show on Green Lantern. We're going to go over all the stuff that's in that article I wrote about, and then we will have the link for that as well as the article, and we never have to answer the question again. Um, and this past week was the Miracle Man show, which I thought was really – it got a really big response. I was, yeah. was kind of surprised. People really dug it. Um, you can go to revision3.com slash iFanboy to watch that video show or any of the hundreds of shows we've done in the past, or you can even get it on your TiVo. Yeah. Um, and like we mentioned, if you have any questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. And writers to review on iTunes. We are we at five hundred yet? Did we check? Did no oh, one no. checked. I will check. Nobody checked. I'm Ron's going to check. So we were getting close to five hundred or close over four hundred. So let's get to five hundred people. That's the goal. And while we do that, let's also do that for the video show. Let's get get the word out. Some people find the show when they go to iTunes and search for comic book podcasts. The more reviews there are, the better chance people will to find it. That's how their uh, mysterious algorithm seems to work. So. We are at 508. Hey, wow. so the, now it's the wow. push to 600. Yes, the push to 600. Let's go. <laughs> apparently, apparently, we have great chemistry. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry. We have 508 ratings. We have 453 reviews. See, My bad. There we go. So as the That's push the to thing. 500 continues, we need 47 more reviews. Get in there. Write a review. Still, good push. Yeah, totally good push. Yeah, so get in there. We need a four, 40, what, 47, you said? 47 more 47 reviews? 47 more, yep. So. so come on, people. You know you can do that. It's a very, 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 very small percentage of you. So let's, let's get on this. Yes. Um, do it for your mom. All right, so before we wrap up, I just have two more questions about Wednesday Comics. Yep. Um, one, uh, it's in continuity, right? Fuck you. Two. Number two, it doesn't fit in my bag and boards. <laughs> uh, number three, so where'd you read your copy? I'm not saying. <laughs> oh and with that you know whenever i'm doing dirty things on the couch i like to put our show on as well <laughs> i can't i can't not do dirty things with, without the show on is that too much information yeah too much information i read mine i read mine on the bus 